Welcome new and old friends. My name is 242, and today 42 got us two creepypasta stories. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, and comment. It really helps out a lot. Now we start with a story about a girl who just moves to a new town for college. She finds herself hungry late at night and decides to find some food, but gets a lot more than what she was asking for. Turn off your lights. Make sure your doors and windows are locked. Things are about to get spooky. I can't explain it, but they aren't normal. My individual make change. Have you ever experienced being in public and some creep or crack person noses you and starts grinning at you? I want you to think about it and remember how did that make you feel? What is the color of the walls? He asked in his deep rumbling thunder voice, the pace of which was lowering and the volume softening. His voice was the only familiar thing I had at that moment. White, the same boring apartment white that all the American apartment complexes have. I replied as I felt my words getting slightly more stretched out and my voice becoming dry. My eyes started to feel heavier, and for a short moment my head dipped as my awareness shut. I woke up with a jolt a second later. Babe, I'm starting to get really sleepy. I think I'll get some rest and call you tomorrow. I said, trying to sit up so that I didn't fall asleep again. Wow, you are the only one feeling sleepy, you know. It's late at night and I'm feeling tired too, but I'm here putting an effort trying to talk to you. He replied from the other end. I felt my irritation rise as I thought to myself, I should have known this is how it would be regardless of the distance between us. This man knew I had just traveled for 16 hours. Listen, I don't have the energy for this right now. This is unreasonable and I really need to sleep, I said. Fine, I'm the dumbass, of course, trying to stay awake for you and talk to you. There was always a moment of silence after his words and then I cut the call. We had promised each other we would try to be better. A promise we made after every argument we had. I stared at the small room I was in. It looked empty in the spaces that should be full and clutter in the areas that should be empty. The floor was full of brown cardboard boxes and luggage, one of which was open. I had taken out the bed covers from it. The bed was the only thing set up in the empty room. The shelves and the single table as well as the small closet remained open and empty. I just wanted to sink into the bed and lose myself in the arms of deep slumber for the next few hours. Then I had a sudden pang hit me in my stomach. A few seconds later, and there was another stomach call. Ugh, hunger pangs, I realized. I ignored it and curled up in bed, hoping to sleep off and eat something the next day. Five minutes passed, then fifteen, then twenty, with me lying in the same position, but sleep was nowhere close. 
I don't know if it was his words affecting my mood or the hours of traveling, but my body did a 180 on me, and now I was hungry, thirsty, and unable to sleep. I sat up in bed, an uneasy feeling ran through my body. My thirst made it seem like my throat was a dry well. A hot desert where camels walked with cracked feet from the lack of moisture. Unbalanced, that was what my body and mind felt like. Then a sudden thought entered my head. It was an image flashing in my eyes. A logo bright red in color with yellow bulbs around it. Most definitely a Vegas club design ripoff. Hi Day, the 24-hour supermarket. I saw the sign when I was moving here. It was a grocery store at a very close walkable distance from my new apartment. I looked at my phone, 12.30 a.m. It's kind of late. Actually, is it? It's a college town. Who sleeps that early? And my roommates haven't yet arrived. It's not like I'm disturbing anyone, I thought. But I don't have a car and I don't know shit about this place. Walking out in an unfamiliar place this late could be a bad idea. As I debated in my head whether or not I should head out, my stomach made a loud sound. I looked down on my stomach. Fuck it, I thought, and I got up from my bed. Wearing the first thing I found in my luggage bag and a small white purse that I crossed on my shoulders, I stepped out. The street lights dimly lit the road that was surrounded by forest. In less than ten minutes, I saw the lit-up board and the big building. Hi, Day, here I come, I thought. Walking towards the building, I realized there weren't many cars in the parking lot. Three or four cars max. I didn't see anyone outside, and I hurried into the building. Right before I entered the automatic door, I had a sudden feeling of being watched and had the urge to look to my right. I saw someone on my right crouched down behind a bin. A person was wearing a black hoodie and dark green shorts. There wasn't any light near that area, so I couldn't see the person's face. However, I am positive the person slowly raised their head and saw me looking at them. It was a one-second moment, but it instantly changed the pace of my heartbeat. I ran inside the store. The air was chilled inside. The cold made the dryness in my throat feel worse, and I felt the hair on my arms and back raise as a light shiver ran down my spine. The white walls inside seemed large and never-ending. The shelves seemed a little too perfect with their sharp alignment and clean colors. Something fell off about the store. Majorly off, I remember thinking to myself, this was a bad idea. I should have stayed home. I looked around and there seemed to be a good amount of people in the store. When I looked at the different lanes and shelves, they seemed long and made me feel dizzy. The shelves seemed a little too tall, the carts too big, and I felt like a small-sized doll in a playhouse too big for its size. 
Was everything this big when I entered? If it had been, I hadn't realized it before. I could feel my stomach dip and I started to feel lightheaded. Let me just take what I want quickly since I'm here, check out, and get back out ASAP. I looked up at the signs indicating which items were in which aisles. The signs too seemed large, giving me billboard vibes. It was like the whole different city slash world inside the supermarket. A world where I didn't belong. I couldn't get this man outside the store out of my head. In the time it took me to get my cart closer to where the aisles began, I decided I would Uber my way back home. There was no way I was walking back home. I rushed to find the food or drink section, and every step was giving me a headache. An old lady passed by me with her shopping cart. Slightly bent and wearing a pastel blue blouse with a long white skirt, she had cotton fluff white hair which felt like it was dumped on her head as an afterthought. Her zoned out face seemed lost in a distance when she suddenly looked at me as our carts came too close. The wrinkling skin on her hanging cheeks stretched out as she smiled, the most exaggerated, psychotic smile I've ever seen. My heart and stomach dipped, and I felt like a child left alone with an unknown, scary adult who are terrifying, but seem completely normal from the outside. I froze for a couple of seconds as I stared at that woman. I could think of nothing, and I felt pure, chilling fear. When I remember her face, it still makes me want to piss my pants. I collected myself, trying my best not to scream, and moved my car aside and rushed further. Rushing inside in a random direction, I quickly passed another shopper. A man who must have been in his late 30s, wearing a yellow t-shirt and black shorts, with the same expressionless look. That is until our carts came closer and his eyes met mine in an unnaturally quick movement of the neck. The corner of his lips turned upwards and his lips extended into a big, terrifying smile. I let out a short gasp and I started to feel like I was losing more than my balance. But I still managed to somehow move my cart along and started moving faster than is okay in a supermarket. As I rushed and started to pass the other shoppers, I realized everyone had a weird expression on their faces. A blank, poker, abnormal, plain face that would turn into a sinister, soulless smile as soon as I made eye contact with them. My feet refused to stop. I abandoned my cart and I started to run like a lunatic trying to find a place that was free of people. The more I ran, the bigger the place seemed to get, and it felt like the number of people just kept increasing. Those smiles were making me want to throw up. My heart was beating so fast, it felt like it would burst. I was running around the store like a madwoman. Tears started to stream down my cheek as people continued to do the sudden neck turn and smile at me. My head started pounding as loud as my heart and my breath started to get quicker. 
I started struggling to breathe. I ran to an aisle and faced the products placed on the shelf, refusing to look at anything else apart from the big cereal box in front of me. The bright yellow, perfect rectangle box directly in front of me was as repelling as everything else in the store. However, it was better than looking at the alternative. I looked down at my shoes and took a couple deep breaths, trying to bring back my breathing to function and my heart to slow down. I could hear shopping carts moving behind me. I slowly tried to collect myself and opened my bag to pull my phone out. The first thing I saw was the battery sign which said 2%. Having lost all sense of adult thinking, like a scared child, I went to the only familiar place I knew. My fingers opened the contacts app on my phone and tapped on my boyfriend's number. I could hear the dial tone start to ring. My eyes became blurry with tears filling up my eyes. Sorry, the caller you are trying to reach is currently unavailable. Please try again later. The ring went all the way through, but he did not pick up the phone. I wiped my tears away. With shaky fingers, I dialed the number one more time. After three rings, the call was cut, and a second later, a text popped on my phone. Don't talk to me. He was still mad from our previous phone conversation, and I knew he wouldn't pick up the phone at that moment. I sobbed uncontrollably, and my fingers quickly exited the contact app and swiped the screen till I reached the online cab app. I opened the app and put in my location, then typed the location of my new house as the destination address. The app screen confirmed that my driver was five minutes away. I was reading the last four digits of the cab's number plate when my phone went blank. My phone had died. This was extremely scary for me, but something else happened that made it seem like a joke in comparison. The sounds of the carts moving stopped as suddenly and as abruptly as the dying of my phone. I gathered all my courage to peek behind my feet. I saw the bottom of a cart facing me, and a little to the left was a pair of shiny black formal men's shoes with another set of wheels belonging to a shopping cart. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't have looked behind me or at anyone in any direction. I had zero courage to do that. I dropped to the floor like a toddler, looking at nothing aside from the floor and the wheels and feet on that floor. I started to move. The cab is still going to be here, I told myself and crawled, dragging myself towards the path I could remember being the correct direction. I kept moving for what felt like an eternity as my tears dropped to the floor. The place was populated with still carts and feet. They were unnaturally still, just like statues. Hours passed, or at least it felt like hours passed. I had no way to tell. I kept dragging my body forward. Finally, I came to a space where the floor felt different. I recognized it as the area from which I originally picked up the cart. That meant I was close to the point of exit. Soon, I reached that automatic door that I had come in from. I moved to the exit and crawled out of the building. 
After what felt like hours, I finally moved my sore neck up and saw a single car waiting on the road. The black shine was lit up from the front lights of the vehicle. It was easy to spot the car on the road connected to an almost empty parking area with the same two to three cars parked as the ones I had saw earlier when going in. The number plate matched that of the cab I had seen on my phone. Something urged me to look to my left and I saw that same man crouching down. He looked at me and with speed, he got up and screamed out loud with all the air in his lungs. And equally fast, he ran towards me. That was all I needed to get up and run for my life. The man continued to scream as he ran behind me, closing the distance between us. My feet hit the dark concrete road with me running to the cab, and I quickly entered, shutting the door behind me, locking it. The driver seemed unfazed by the man outside banging on my window and screaming because he said my name, confirming if I was the one who booked the cab. I replied in the affirmative, and he started the cab. I asked the driver if he had a charger cable that would fit my phone type, and fortunately he had one that was the right match. The driver had to take a different route back to my house. When he told me that, I looked at the GPS navigation screen in front of him without looking at his face, confirming that it was, in fact, a route to my apartment. Apparently, a fallen tree blocked the road I came from. I agreed to be taken home from whichever route he could take me. I have my phone charged a good amount now, and I'm almost home. I have shared all this here in order to process what happened to me. We've just entered the apartment complex where my apartment is, and the driver is heading towards my building. The ride back home was mostly silent, and the dark, stagnant forest ambience just added to the petrifying experience that has hopefully ended. I just want to get home and lock myself inside. The only thing is, I'm scared. I'm scared that when I get down, I might have to look at the face of the cab driver. I have a feeling. A feeling that I cannot explain. A feeling that tells me that if I look at the driver, he will have a massive, anomalous smile on his face. I told my psychologist, Natalie, that I no longer feel obsessed about anyone. Natalie understood because Natalie is very clever and Natalie knows that I feel the urge to kill only when I'm fixating about someone. So Natalie signed my discharge form. Natalie is very clever. Something's Wrong With My Baby by Independent Bite 3885 Entry number one Something is wrong with my baby. I've known it for the 37 years he's been alive that something is wrong with him. I don't know why it's taken so long for me to accept the fact that he isn't and never will be a normal human being. My name is Beatrice, and I'm 59 years old. 
I live in a small retirement village with my husband, David, who's 63, and is currently suffering from arthritis in his left hand. It's been difficult, but we've learned to live with it. I've been with David since I was 16, and we got married when I was 18. I was a waitress at a very popular Italian restaurant, which is where I first met David. I got pregnant with my son when I was 22. I knew straight away that it wasn't going to be a normal pregnancy, and I was right. At first, it was just a lot of weird food cravings. I know food cravings are normal in pregnancy, but I wasn't craving pickles or tuna with ice cream. I was craving human flesh. It got so bad I couldn't even be in the same room as my husband. I went to several doctors as I was so concerned for myself and the safety of David and the baby. Eventually, the cravings went away, and it moved into an abnormal amount of kicking and bleeding. I bled so much I was forced to give birth a month early. My son, who I named Nathan after my late grandfather, was in the ICU for weeks. I fell in love with a beautiful bundle of joy the moment I heard his cries. David was over the moon, and we both loved Nathan with all our hearts. He never cried, which we bragged about at first. We eventually got a bit concerned about it and took him to a doctor. I can't remember exactly what the doctor said. I also found that when he was being fed, he tended to bite the end of the bottle really aggressively, as if trying to rip the bottle open. When he was a month old, he'd cry and cry all night. I tried to feed him, play with him, and even change his diaper, even if there wasn't anything in the previous diaper. David and I stayed up for hours rocking him. Nothing would work. He'd cry and cry until the clock hit exactly 3 a.m., That's when the suspicions started. Entry number two. I never saw Nathan crawling as he got into his toddler stages. He'd be playing with his toys one moment, and then I'd blink and he'd be staring at the window of the neighbor's house. It was like he was teleporting everywhere. I never knew how much denial I was in until now. I loved Nathan so much that I refused to believe something was wrong with him. David had sat me down and tried to convince me to take him to a psychologist or any type of professional, but every time I refused. David, this is our son, whether we like it or not, is what I'd always say to him. Oh, how blind I had been. When he first grew teeth, he couldn't wait to start biting people. I even had to go to the ER after he had bit my arm so hard he drew blood. The bite had almost gotten infected, and it would have ended up with me having a nasty skin infection if I hadn't gone to the ER in time. When I had to return to work, I was originally going to give him to my sister to take care of, but I couldn't do that. I was too afraid. My family, especially my mother, are rather judgy. They have an obsession with keeping up their perfect reputation. If they saw what my son was capable of, they would have been mortified. So, I hesitantly signed him up for a child care program. 
that didn't last long. He was only there for 15 minutes until he bit another baby for trying to take the toy he was playing with. The baby who I learned was named Emma had burst into tears. Her mother was not happy at all, and I understood. In the end, my sister had to take care of him. It was the worst day of my life. Nathan had bitten my sister's dog. The poor pup had gotten a nasty infection and later on passed away. My sister was furious. She phoned me at 12 a.m. She was hysterical, yelling and cursing me out. She said my son was evil and needed to be destroyed before harming anyone else. I got angry at her and told her to shut up because my son was just a baby and didn't know any better. Of course, she told our mother. I was pretty much kicked out of the family. I was distraught. My husband was able to calm me down. When Nathan started school, he was even worse. He was expelled from three schools for being horrible to other kids. Little Georgia, he tied her to a pole and threw rocks at her head. She ended up needing 27 stitches in her temple. Daniel, who was curb-stomped, the poor thing lost all of their teeth and needed false ones. He was picked on for years to come. George, who was locked in the janitor's closet, he ended up soiling himself. Poor thing. Then there was little Jonathan. Oh, God. This destroyed me. Nathan had pushed Jonathan in front of a moving bus. The poor boy had been run over and had to be hospitalized. That's when I knew there was something really wrong with my son. I took him to specialist after specialist, but none of them could figure out what was wrong with Nathan. I started to blame myself, wondering how I could make a child so damn evil, so horrible, so mad. My sister was right. I should have gotten rid of him when I had the chance. Entry number three. Hey everyone, my name is David. You might know me as Beatrice's husband. Unfortunately, I have some bad news. Beatrice passed away last night in her sleep. She had been suffering from dementia recently. It had gotten pretty bad. I'm going to miss her, but I'm glad she passed away peacefully. Ever since our son died during childbirth 37 years ago, she hasn't been the same. Somehow she convinced herself that our son is alive and well, but that he's a little demon. I don't know where it came from or how it started, but something about our son's death really changed her. She wasn't the same Beatrice I fell in love with. I will always remember her as well as the rest of the family. Rest in peace, Beatrice Roselle Button, November 5th, 1964 to July 5th, 2023. As the doctor began tightening the blood pressure cuff around Sarah's arm, he suddenly paused. He gently touched the scar on her neck from the home evasion three years ago and whispered, I knew there was something familiar about you. 
And with that, my friends, our time together is coming to an end. As always, I would like to thank the writers who let me read their stories. The last story was originally posted as a three-part short story series, and I brought all three parts here together so it was easier to listen to, and I do hope you enjoyed that. As for that last story, I don't know if I'm going to be entering a grocery store and not looking around at people, making sure none of them are just staring off into the void, and if the story isn't seeming to get bigger and odder. At first, it was that SCP of that IKEA store, the never-ending one. Um, IKEA already feels like it's never-ending, and that story really upped it. And then it turned to fears of gas station convenience stores. One, from true stories I have heard and read, and two, from the Michael Page story, where he just kept getting that weird customer. And now, I can add grocery stores to that list. Soon I won't be willing to leave my bed in fear that I might come across something weird, and it's not like the bed safe itself either. So let's see how many fears I can find in the future for me and maybe even you. If you know anyone who might enjoy this kind of podcast, please share it with them. It would really help me out quite a bit. And I also like to thank my patrons. With their help, I'm able to offset some of the costs of running this podcast and some of the YouTube things. So, as always, guys, thank you. And, of course, you sitting there with headphones in or maybe listening to everyone else can hear it. Thank you for listening, guys. It means a lot. It truly does. And if you're still awake, I hope you sleep tight and don't let 42 bite.